Welcome to the Global Watch Prayer Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we build community in prayer to empower the church from local expressions to global connections. For more information and resources on the Global Watch, visit theglobalwatch.com. All right, everybody, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. It is great to see you all, and we want to welcome you. This is the Global Watch International Call. It is Wednesday, the 15th of March, 2023, 6 a.m. Jerusalem time. And this hour we are very excited about because it is time for the Africa Watch. And we have a guest speaker from South Africa, Dr. Arno van Nikak. And let's first start with a song by Shane and Shane, You've Already Won. Thank you, Lord. Let's do that. Amen and amen. Yes, Jesus said in John 16, 33, he said, I have said these things to you, that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. And to before we open in prayer, Margaret Gretsch from the island of Malta, if you could open in prayer for us, but we just want to welcome the African team. We have Pastor Michael, we have, oh gosh, Pastor Nakim, there's some of you, I can't see everybody here, but welcome. We just want to say thank you for giving us this opportunity this morning just to bring something from South Africa. We really do appreciate it. And being one of the 54 countries in Africa, this is a great honor for us to be here. Margaret Gretsch, would you please unmute? Thank you. um, Thank you, Shelley. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. The Lord bless you Morning, Pastor. God bless you. God bless you all. Praise God. Heavenly Margaret? Father, yes, Heavenly Father, we want to thank you and we want to bless you this morning, Lord God. We are truly blessed to be called your children. Father, we are victorious in you because you have done it all. And we thank you that on the cross you have taken it all. You are worthy of it all. God, thank you for the speakers. We bless the speaker, Father, today. We are excited, Lord, to hear what you are going to say this morning. We ask you to open our hearts, Lord God, to know what you are saying to each and every one of us, not only as a group, but also individually, Father. And Lord, we bless Shirley as she continues to continue to give us this call today and Dr. Arno, and all the Africa Watch, Father, as they are leading amazingly, Father, in, in your word, and showing us your word very clearly in Jesus' mighty name. God bless you all. Thank you, Father. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen, Margaret. Thank you so much. I have the privilege to introduce Dr. Arno van He is an economist and senior lecturer at the University of the free state. He's passionate about living out his calling as a kingdom activator in the marketplace. He is an established author and speaker, having published three books and numerous academic articles in peer-reviewed journals. He's a visiting professor at Salzburg University in Austria. He's also the founder of a number of kingdom initiatives like the Christian Consensus, Project SA, Mighty Families, and Time to Rise SA, all are focused 
on getting the body of Christ actively involved in transforming society based on biblical principles. Arno loves the Lord and lives to give him glory. So welcome to the Global Watch, Dr. Arno. Would you please share what the Lord has placed on your heart in this season? Good morning, Shirley. Good morning, everyone. It's such a privilege to speak to all of you. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited to see everybody from all over the globe, almost. Next week, I'm flying to Austria again to go lecture in, in Salzburg. Really looking forward. Yeah, this is a very exciting time, but it's also in South Africa, most critical time to discern what the Lord is doing. And uh, maybe I should just share the first book that I enough. I was actually in Austria in 2014. And there already, there were concerns about South Africa, and we had another presidency before the current one, and there already many concerns started to rise. And the Lord immediately said to me, Arna, you have a choice. You either focus on all these concerns and focus on the devil's plan, or you can see what I am doing in the nation of South Africa, in Africa, and then also around the world. So ever since then, I've been, of course, we, but the Bible says we shouldn't be ignorant of the wiles of the enemy. We should be fully informed I mean, because you can't fight a war if you don't know your enemy. And we know we fight from victory and not for victory. Yet we need to understand how the enemy strategies operate so that we can stand against it and put the enemy to flight to resist evil. But then we need to be even more fully aware of what God is doing and what his plan is in the times that we are living. Many have escape mentality and say, I just want to go, oh, Lord, come and come, Jesus, and save us from all this mess. And I think it's a dangerous thought pattern because as believers, we cannot operate with the escape mentality. Jesus said, occupy until I come. The Bible says in Matthew 24 verse 14 that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all nations and then the end will come. Not when the birth pains are happening, when the gospel of the kingdom is preached. And we know the kingdom is not just words, it's power, it's demonstration. It has effect. The Lord already then started to sensitize me about what he has in mind for his people. Now, of course, he's purifying his bride, he's preparing his bride, but we know the anointing on his bride is also increasing, and we need to understand, Lord, how do you want to use your people in a time such as this? Of course, me being based in Africa and operating from an African perspective, I the Lord started to show to me so many things of what he wants to do in Africa and South Africa starting there, but it's already happening all across Africa, where Africa is called to be a model nation. And I call it a nation because there is a kind of a, a, a natural unity among Africans. And I just sense with a collectivistic mindset, I just sense that the Lord wants to establish his kingdom blueprints in a nation or a continent where the world isn't expecting anything to come from. Because in the bigger scheme of things, Africa is the forgotten continent to a, to a large extent. But that's exactly what God will use in order, the Bible says, to, to shame the nations or to show the foolishness of the nations. Now, please, I'm not saying Africa is the only area. God is using people all across the world, and there's amazing things happening in so many countries. But it's important to understand the redemptive purpose of Africa in, in, in these times. I'm going to share a little bit on that and how we got to where we are today in terms of what God is doing. 
So I'm just quickly going to share my screen and then from move forward. I have a couple of slides. I'm not going to, we don't have time to, to emphasize all of them, but I just want to show a couple of things. Now, there you will see, it's a prophetic picture that somebody in South Africa, Guy Mitchell, drew this picture, painted it, and the Lord's, the word the Lord gave to him is he's raising up his prophetic forerunners. Now, there's a scripture the Lord put on my heart in Zechariah, Zechariah 1, when I looked at this, and Zechariah 1, and let me just quickly allude to this, from verse 7, the heading there is the vision of the horses, um, and it speaks of these horses and the people riding them. Verse 9, it says, then I said, my Lord, what are these, when he saw these horses? So the angel who talked with me said to me, I will show you what they are. And the man who stood among the myrtle trees answered and said, These are the ones whom the Lord has sent to walk to and fro throughout the earth. So people that the Lord has sent ahead, you will see as they move, prophetic forerunners, there's life behind them. Uh, the flowers and the greenness sprouts up and it's dark, which alludes to Isaiah 60, darkness enveloping the thick darkness. But the Lord is raising up his people. First, they were prophetic forerunners. And then if you read the scripture, it says behind them, there are many other horses from all kinds of colors coming and following them. And what is interesting, if you look at Isaiah, Zechariah, the second vision that he got, I think eight visions. But the second vision was the vision of the horns. Now, there were four horns, and these horns caused God's people to be scattered across the world. If you look at the effects of COVID-19, all kinds of issues, things happening around the world that are dividing God's people, that are scattering God's people, where the enemy is breaking the unity in churches, the unity among God's people. But the Lord is saying, verse 20, that four craftsmen have been raised up. To, to deal with these, I think it's iron horns. So what we see from this is the raising up of craftsmen, skilled, and these horns, one of the, uh, I would say, horns, uh, strongholds of the enemy around the world is economic enslavement. It's one of the main things, and I want to raise that as a prayer point because the whole system, and I mean, I'm an economist, and I can tell you the whole system is geared towards enslaving people economically, whether through debt or all kinds of poverty or all kinds of ways to entrap people. I did my period in Washington, a big part of it, at the IMF and the World Bank. So I was like in the belly of the beast. <laughs> and I could see the big levers of how the plans for the world economy are being shaped. And we're moving towards a cashless society. We're moving towards a system where through the economy, societies will be, they will try to control it. So God is raising up craftsmen and people with alternative economic models, kingdom economic models, for instance, so that we can be, be not under this economic slavery. And then craftsmen referring to school systems, new government systems, because that's another way through which the manipulation of countries occur. And then in chapter two, it speaks of the vision of the measuring line. So God is measuring. And in that case, it was Jerusalem. But God is 
remade around the world, his kingdom territory. And that's something that I got out of this. He's re the world is building empires, but he is advancing his kingdom. Now we know it's not the fullness of the kingdom. That will only happen when Jesus comes in the millennium. But the kingdom will advance through the anointing that rests on God's people. That's exactly what Matthew 24 verse 14 says. When the gospel of the kingdom is preached to all nations, then the end will come. So I just sense he's preparing to demonstrate the kingdom. Now, if you understand the Bible from the beginning to the end, there's always shadows and types. Before the real thing happened, there's a type of that before it. And I believe we are in a time where God is going to show a small prototype um, of how true kingdom looks like in countries, in certain countries. And I believe Africa is called for that. So if you go further, I'm not going to go into it, but it's such so important to read through Zechariah because in, in chapter three, he talks about the high priest and then also the coming branch and the unit, bringing the priests and the kings together, unity in Christ, rebuilding. He talks about uh, Zerubbabel when he had the plumb line rebuild. So this is not a time to have an escape mentality. This is a time to say, Lord, use me to advance your kingdom. And this Jesus said already in, in Matthew 11 verse 12, since the day John the Baptist started speaking, the kingdom started manifesting and it's the, the, yeah, the violent take it by force. Um, it's not to say we must be violent, but it must. it's a forceful thing because they, you need to break through resistance. And what is beautiful, also have a look at the, uh, chapter four, which speaks about the two olive trees and the lampstand, which speaks about the anointing of the Lord. And this is what is beautiful about these horse riders. They are shining with the anointing. If you look at Daniel, the last chapter, it says that they will shine like the sun. If you look at Matthew 13, verse 39, and on, it speaks about the separation between the weeds and the wheat. And then the wheat, God's people, will shine also like the sun. So God is raising up his people in this time. There are forerunners, but then there are many who will come along. Now, I just quickly want to show you this slide. This is very interesting. Somebody, the top left picture there, turned Africa, the continent, on its side. And I don't know, can you see the shape of a horse there? That's very interesting. You can see the ears at the top there. There's almost an area where there's the eyes and then the mouth where South Africa is. And I'm not going to read through all of that there, but that's somebody the Lord gave this person a prophetic. And the key is that the mouth will start speaking and so where South Africa is. And when that mouth starts speaking in terms of what, what is God's will and God's models and God's heart for the nations, then the change will start accelerating. And I know in Africa, there's so many beautiful things God is already doing in so many countries, even economically, if we look at Rwanda and many of those places. But there is an expectation that the real big change will come when South Africa comes fully in alignment with God's will. Then in the middle, there's a picture of life. Uh, we all know it's the two trees, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and then the tree of life. Even on the earth, we've got the kingdom manifesting tree of life, and then also empire building through the tree of knowledge. And I believe Africa life will spring. On the right there is just, there's been a, for a long time, a prophecy, a fire prophecy throughout the southern tip of Africa. Fire will go right through Africa, a revival fire, but revival with reformation. 
And there on the right is just bottom cornerstones that we've planted at the corners of South Africa. I can maybe at some point share a little bit more on that. It's plates that we put there declaring Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. So it alludes to Isaiah 19. Isaiah 19 speaks of cornerstones at the end and then the Lord bringing a turn. I just want to show quickly that the, these two big books are making quite a big impact in South Africa. The one is written by Kirsten Rossiter. She's now actually based in England, Building the Nations from the Ground Up. It's a much more prophetic book, but I think God is using this to open people's eyes because we need to bring the spiritual and the practical together. Now more than ever, this is the kingdom effect. When you talk about building according to kingdom principles, it is building practically uh, with King, sorry, with yeah, kingdom principles, but in a very practical sense. And then Clementa Pai wrote a book about the womb of Ari Africa carries my glory. And I, 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 it speaks of a birthing that we are expecting that God is going to do through Africa and to the whole world in terms of his kingdom blueprints. I'm just mentioning this for a very long time in South Africa, the men have mostly been like passive. If you look at the 1990s, even 1980s, men has not been involved in the prayer meetings much in South Africa. They've not been involved like gathering or they've been the ones that stand back and the woman stepping forward and doing more of the spiritual work, even in the homes. But since the 2000s, the Lord raised up Uncle Angus and those mighty men events. And this eventually led to a lot of men in South Africa becoming awakened and really getting into position. And we thank the Lord that the women have prayed for us for years. I remember my own mother praying in the 1990s, Lord, raise up the men in our nation. We need them. We need to let them come into position. This picture just shows something of how men are standing up and stepping forward, of course, to take hands with the body of Christ and being the change. So this awakening um, has led to this year, end of January, the Lord, or actually end of last year, the Lord put on my heart to gather men together so that we can pray, seek his face. And that's the picture, the picture in the middle with a bow and seek his face. And then say, Lord, what do you want us to do? What instructions do we should we receive from you? Show us what we can do, because we know we are called to change South Africa. Now, what is interesting, that picture of the man with a bow, if you read Isaiah 49 verse 2, that is actually, it's, it says that the Lord puts us like an arrow in his bow. He hides us in his hand, and then from there shoots us out across the nations. So that's actually the body of Christ uniting and and then him shooting us out into the nations. But the verse the Lord gave me was Joel 3 verse 9 about you bring the mighty men together. So I believe, and Francois here, he can also testify that weekend was a turning point like never before. We got together at Camp Unity, and the Lord brought such a unity between the 300 men that were there. We re immediately realized that he wants to bring a drastic turnaround in South Africa. So unity is the key.
unity, all that scripture in Psalm 133, where there's unity, the Lord commanded the blessing. So the and this is a very important thing for all nations, that if you want to see God's intervention in your nation, unite the body of Christ. In this case, we started with the men, but it's everyone uniting, men, women, young people, young, old, everyone. The unity is where the Lord commands that blessing, and then it flows through. And this is another prayer point, Shirley, that we need to pray for unity in the body of Christ. This is very important. Unity in all its facets so that the body can reach maturity. Because when the body starts reaching maturity, then we can be proper stewards. We can put the new wine skin in place for the new wine. We can be we can be at an understanding of what our role is and then our calling and flowing more in that. And then also when there's unity, there's functionality, proper functionality. Then we don't worry about positions, who is more important and less important. We focus on functionality and that's the essence of what makes the body of Christ, the impact, very high. So this is another picture the Lord gave us, a prophetic picture in terms of the chains being broken. South Africa, there's the enemy's onslaught against this nation. In the news, people might hear about electricity crisis and all of this. But we have so many chains where the enemy wants to restrict South Africa from fulfilling any of its purpose, whether it's economic, whether it's government, whether it's our educational system, all of these ways and division in the body of Christ. And the Lord said, this is the time where he's going to pour out his anointing on our nation. And it's only the anointing that can break the yokes. And he's raising up a people that carry this anointing. And this is very important. This is part of the unity prayer, that it will be people that can host God's presence, people that can walk together, march together, fulfill our destinies together, not be threatened. Because the issue is not the enemy. The issue is we as the body of Christ need to unite and walk in unity, then the enemy, the change will anyway be broken because it can't stand against the anointing. And also Jesus Christ already won the victory. We just need to understand how to exercise that victory and implement it. You will see the chains breaking there in the middle in the free state. And that's exactly where we had our gathering at Camp Unity. And that's also the place where we're going to have, not the place, but another close by on the other side of Bloemfontein, where we're going to have the big event in October, where we invite Christians from across the nation to unite. Because the Lord just showed us, if there's always this issue between the five wise and the unwise virgins, why not get the five wise virgins together? Those that are born again, those that love the Lord, serve the Lord in with their whole hearts, because there will be a natural unity. And that's what I believe God's going to use. So the Lord spoke a lot to us from Ezekiel 37. You know about uh, he's raising up an army of reformers and revivalists. Those two, the combination of that, reformers and revivalists. And body meaning bone to his bone, meaning those who have the same gifts, they need to unite and start working together. Here's just a picture. Somebody sent me this beautiful picture of this lady with a shofar. And I believe what God is doing is putting the men and women next to each other, uniting us. Because 
there are elements that the strongholds that the women need to deal with, and there are other strongholds that the men need to deal with. So this unity in the body of Christ, God is going to use that to break this change and the breakthroughs that's needed. So we have, the Lord gave us one purpose, and that is set my people free. One plan, and that is mobilize my people. And then one dream, Africa shall be saved. So set my people free, meaning free from economic slavery, because many Africans, South Africa and Africans, have uh, are still in economic slavery. They are impoverished. It's tremendous how the rich are exploiting the poor, and that must stop. And we a new system, economic system. And on the other hand, we must also break the chains that are keeping people in that economic traps. Another form is also government slavery or governance slavery, where governments are suppressing people, where we have democracies, but people have no power. They can't hold politicians or leaders accountable. That needs to change, and that means systemic change. And then also social slavery. Social in the sense that all these liberal values are being pushed on our schools. Our kids must now learn about transgenderism. We are kind of force you can't speak against things that are politically correct in society that's nonsense they move towards a more liberal society but the more liberal they become humanistic liberal they are taking away free speech in england is the what they call thought police people can't even pray across abortion centers then they get arrested by the police all these kinds so the enemy is actually stripping away our freedoms and we need to break those chains. And that calls, unit, that calls for unity in the body of Christ and take a strong stand and to then bring the chains in terms of government, in terms of the economy, in terms of society. Biblical values needs to come back, but it won't come back unless we stand together. And that's the plan to mobilize my people. And that is based on Ezekiel 37 bone to his bone, the body of Christ coming together, united, a standing army, and an army has authority. It's not just like a bunch of people standing together. They have authority, there's order, there's a system, and then also they walk in victory. And then the Lord clearly showed to us, this is about Africa. The miracle that will happen in South Africa is to be a blueprint so that other nations in Africa can become part of it. Because the Lord wants Africa, his heart for Africa to be, re through, to be revealed through Africa to the rest of the world. And if you think of Africa, it's been going through colonialism. It's been exploited throughout his history. The man who helped carry Jesus Jesus' cross was an African man, Simon of Serene. When Jesus' life as a baby was threatened, Africa was the safe haven. So Africa has a safe haven calling and also a breadbasket calling because the food systems around the world will increasingly be controlled and manipulated. And there's very few places with such fertile ground in the world like Africa. I believe, honestly, the potential of this continent will be fully unlocked when the world is experiencing. There's, there, there's such a awakening, but a birthing that will come through Africa. And yeah, I honestly believe it will be a safe haven to Christians from around the world. And uh, God's going to prepare this new wineskin for the new wine. So 
the point is just i believe africa is going to play a pivotal role in the end times we don't know when jesus will come he can come anytime the bible says nobody knows the day or the hour but we also sense that we are moving into a time where god is pouring out his spirit we see revivals ac across the world where he's bringing reformations he's giving his people blueprints kingdom blueprints for how to change nations not just lives being changed but nations so the time has come to rise together and i believe that's the whole emphasis so what the lord showed us is that we must start on work building a nation builder network so that we just call it time to rise it's not a specific movement i would actually say it's a ground level mobilization of god's people so with this nation builder network people just send an email to that email address on the right there time to rise gmail.com and then they get sent a link and they can put their information in there, but they also indicate their callings and what they're focusing on so that we can connect people in the, with the same callings. There's about 24 areas that we've identified. Some of them are more spiritual, prophetic, prayer. Others are like agriculture, economy and business, education, very practical, so that we can connect those who have the same callings and passions. And once we do that, then the blueprints start coming forward. And out of that, we bring the unity. We are now at a stage where it's not about the 300 men. The 300 men is just the start of this, this whole initiative. But this whole initiative is not about the 300 men. It's really about rising together. And the fact that we stand in unity um, so on the right bottom, you'll see the Ezekiel 37 scripture, but then also Isaiah 61, where it says, I will, it says there that the spirit of the Lord is upon me, which speaks of, uh, we know Jesus repeated that in Luke 4, but it also speaks about his body, those who carry, those who have the spirit of the Lord upon them, revival. And then it speaks further about the rebuilding of the streets, rebuilding of communities, reformation and revival those two the combination of that is what is the answer because when revival and reformation link up in terms of impacting the nation kingdom manifest kingdom manifest through the combination of revival and reformation and revival as we know is not always people gathering and if you come to salvation and you get to know the lord and the fire of god burns in your heart you are in revival so revival speaks of lives changing and the people repenting before the lord and fully dedicated to him and then reformation speaks of practical change god's kingdom blueprints biblical values biblical systems being implemented the slave trade fell came to an end because of the welsh revival because out of the welsh revival the lord raised up william wilberforce and William Wilberforce went into Parliament and he put an end to slave trade. So there's always, there needs to be a practical flowing out of revival. So what we're sensing is God is uniting us for change. There's never been a hunger for change as strong as it is now in South Africa. And it is a righteous hunger. Not, we know the Malemas and the other, some leaders are, planning some form of disruptions but that's not going to hold and the people are seeing through that the, they want real change and there's a hunger for seeing deeper change in society and the unity for that is building so it's the ecclesia that's rising 
And Jesus used the, that word, ecclesia, the first time in Matthew 16, when he asked Peter and the disciples, who do you say that I am? And then he said, on this rock, when speaking to Peter, but also representing the church, I will build my church, my ecclesia. And ecclesia, as we know, has two meanings. On the one hand, it's called the called out ones. Though we must be different than the world. We can't be like the world. But that doesn't mean we mustn't be salt and light. We have to be salt and light in the world. But the second meaning of ecclesia is the Greek word for senate. Now, senate means a local authority or God's governmental authority. And I believe even if you go back to Adam and Eve in the beginning, God first created the economy. He created resources on the earth. Then he created a family with Adam and Eve, and then he created a government. Adam and Eve became a government because in Genesis 1 verse 26 and 28, the Lord gave them dominion over all these resources. And that's what a government should do. A government should manage the economy, the re resources of a nation. And that's exactly the role of the body of Christ. For me, this is important because we need to step up the body of Christ in our governmental function. And that means both governance and government. Governance in the sense that's the broader term. With other words, we need to govern schools. We need to govern a business. We need to govern all kinds of areas. Govern means just aligning it with biblical values, putting godly systems in place. But then also government. Um, I believe God called so many people for government and to play a role there and to, to even establish godly governments. And that is something the Lord put on our hearts to look at that because South Africa needs a righteous government. It, there's no way we can afford any kind of similar government like we have right now. If this government were to continue, I'm telling you within three, two, three years as economists, this economy will be fully destroyed. There's, there's serious problems. So why Proverbs 29 verse 2 says, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked govern, then the people mourn. So God wants to raise up these people to play a pivotal role in government. But let me just quickly, Shirley, and I think this is important for context, just make a distinction. We're not talking about dominionism here. There's this whole theology about kingdom here and now. We are already in the kingdom age and, you know, the millennium. And we, Jesus cannot come unless we establish the, the kingdom of God on all the earth take over all the systems. This is not dominionism. This is kingdom. There's a difference. With dominionism, you people want to rule. With kingdom, you are called to reign. With dominion, there's a, almost an oppressing kind of function, which is wrong. With kingdom, there's a servant leadership part. And we won't see the fullness of the kingdom before Jesus comes, but the kingdom will start manifesting in, in around the world in different ways, in different places. So it's not about taking over everything. It's just being kingdom leaven. Jesus talked about three kinds of leaven, the leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of the Herod, which he warned us against. But then there's the leaven of the kingdom. 
And he even compared it like a mustard seed. The smallest seed, but when it grows, it becomes the biggest tree. And that's the thing about the kingdom. When the kingdom starts infiltrating, it, nothing can stop it. Nothing in this world can stop it. It's only God's people that need to continue and pursue it. So it's not about dominionism and dominating. It's about infiltrating and influencing through biblical principles. It's purely being salt and light. And Jesus said, didn't say be salt and light only until a certain point. He said, be salt and light. If that means eventually governing a nation, then that should be it. God's people governing a nation. When Jesus said, go out and make disciples of nations, it wasn't just individual. It was also discipling nations, guiding them in the ways of the Lord. And very often that most effectively happens when we are in a position to govern. So just practically, this is the picture that the Lord gave us. You'll re recognize top left, the picture of Ezekiel, a wheel within a wheel. So that wheel picture, somebody drew a nice one top right there, also of a wheel. But it speaks of there's a core group that takes responsibility for stewarding. But then the spokes of the wheel are the different areas, the, Lord, the Josephs coming together to change the economy. And Joseph mean men and women called for business. And eventually the outer wheels start taking shape. So as people start getting into position, this wheel starts moving. And that is the key of what we are busy with. And note that one of those is to establish, to see God establishing a righteous nation. That those are just two questions we sometimes ask people. Are you satisfied with the current government? And most people in South Africa are saying no. And do you want to see a godly government in office? And then most people say yes. So, so we ask those questions so that people can just start getting perspective that, listen, things can change. All that is needed is for Christians to unite. And this is not politics. We are talking about government and setting godly governance in place in South Africa. Why? So that proper governance can be stewarded. And the reality, if not us, then who? If not now, then when? If this is not taking shape at this point, we don't have enough years in South Africa to, to allow it for others to do this. The world and those in the world have no incentive to put in place righteous law, righteous governance. In South Africa, with us having abortion, Christians, as Christians, we don't support abortion. The fact that we pay taxes means we are funding abortion. We are complicit in this. So abortion is something that needs to get out of this nation as quickly as possible. That's just one area. Then righteous government, where we need to get corruption and all its form out of this nation. And we need to be able to change the system. And we can. We have a constitutional court that has already ordered parliament to change the voting system so that people can hold leaders accountable. Because um, this is the problem with our democracy, that parties and leaders do whatever they want and the people have no say. Only at the next election they can say, but then it's too late. Then things have already fallen apart. The call for time, the time to rise, we just believe is absolutely critical. We believe God's people is ready to be the change. The prophetic forerunners are ready to, to implement what the Lord has showed them. And we are at a point where, especially in South Africa, we have no other choice but to be the change. I think, I don't know, many other nations are at that point. But if we leave this and we just step away and not do our part, we can lose this nation. There's something of a voice rising up among Christians saying, we are no longer available to do nothing. 
And I think that's it. We are no longer available to do nothing. We want to be the change. We are ready. But the key is the unity of the body of Christ. And that's what we're working towards. And yeah, we are trusting God. So I think, surely, just in terms of maybe a third prayer point is very much, let's pray for the change that needs to come. Let's pray for God's people to rise up, for the craftsmen and women to step forward, and for God's people to be united. But the standing up is extremely important important because there's so much negativity there's so much we've got a cultural history of oppression from way back the concentration camps of the Boers there where the English you know and then after that the apartheid system and now the new regime it's all cycles of oppression that keep on it's the same spirit that operate and the Lord is calling cycle breakers in this to step forward. Not just South Africa, around the world, I believe, but South Africa, especially, and in Africa. And to be honest, the potential of South Africa economically, in terms of setting in place a proper government, all of these areas, education system is there. Agriculturally, the potential is there. So even a little change in the right direction will bring capital investment back to South Africa. It will ignite the people to work together, even at community level. So the power of what we are busy with, and this is the strategy part, is that, yes, we want to see a righteous government, a godly government in office, and we need to stand together for that. Because the biggest group in South Africa, by far, of all the groups, are Christians. Even if we identify just 20% of all the Christians, it means we have 12 million South Africans. And if we can stand together, we can put a two-thirds government in office, which means we can change the constitution, we can chuck abortion out and establish a godly system, and then we can properly govern the nation. And we change the political system in a way that the people can hold all leaders accountable. That is for forever in future. But then also with this whole initiative, it's not just about uniting to bring change at the top. It's also uniting to bring change at community level. So we are sharing. That's why the groups are so important. We are sharing blueprints so that we can implement the community, change the schools at ground level, change the local communities, change the whole thing about rebuilding communities. So you are actually mobilizing on two levels. And this is the answer, I believe, the blueprint, what South Africa is going to put on the table to change, bring change at the top. But then the people are ready at ground level to re rebuild the walls like in Nehemiah's day, because you need more than just a change in government. You need people at ground level ready to implement, ready to bring change. And so like in the case of Gideon, the Lord showed us, keep it first below the radar. Initially, Gideon went out at night, broke down the altars. So we're not making a big splash in terms of secular media and all kinds. We keep this among Christians below the radar. And then at the right time, we come out above the radar. And this is also a way to not allow necessary attacks by the enemy and for us to get organized first and then have a collective impact. The Lord gave us the word of suddenly, suddenly the change will come. A big surprise element in South Africa. And you know what? It resonates with so many people. And we know that God is doing something very special. Thank you so much. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that was amazing. I've heard you share this, the detailed version after you had just come back with the 300 men. 
and hearing it again now, I'm actually in tears. It's just, thank you, Jesus, for hope. <laughs> so your PhD is economics, but you also have another PhD. You're a positive hope distributor. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. I love that. Okay. You've already mentioned how people can get hold of you. It's time to arise, sa at gmail.com, and it's a, a numeral two. And sure, what an hour of insight. Now, we are almost at the top of the hour. So those who need to go, we release you. But I really feel that there's important words and prayer and just some encouragement that is needed for this. Because something like this, the, the enemy is already trying to chop it off at the knees, already trying to come and try and disperse what God is doing. So let's just pray into that for strength. Christine, who's in Hernhut with the home of the Moravians. Christine, please unmute and share with us. Yeah, I actually was reminded of what we heard from the Anzac people and from New Zealand and Australia that of this battle of Beersheba, what they had in 1917, I think, in Israel, when they fighted for the, the wells, they fighted for Israel and they had also this suddenly moment. There was only this one chance to they all had no more water and they they had to fight against these people who occupied the wells there and there was this man was this one man who know we have only this one chance and so they run with their horses like you had these pictures and they overrun them through, through the suddenly moment and then they got the wells and they had water they, they had won the battle for israel but they also had water for themselves and so maybe you study this or you get connected with people from this, but it's encouraging that God uses the suddenly moments. And I think, yeah, you are absolutely right with this. And I would like to pray for this, if possible, that you can, that you are like the commander and know what to do. Because this commander had such a, yeah, he make a, such a hard decision to do it because he knew a lot of people would die, but we have the only chance to win. Yes, Lord, I thank you for this men and all these other men and women who are standing against together for this vision we thank you we know all that it's absolutely from your heart and i want to pray that you bless them and help them to do the fight that they can mobilize as many people as possible and that they know how to pray and what to do and what to say and i bless them with the spirit from hernhut that they can stand yeah with all their strength and everything what they have and pray and do what is necessary to do. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Christine. And then we have Francois Stein. There's no stranger. He was on the 14th of December, I think it was. Francois, please go ahead and share. I just want to pray. We, and God gave us a prophetic revelation of this, what is going on here on the 29th of July, 2013. We showed that he's laying blueprints all across Africa, starting in South Africa, all the way up to Israel. Then there's revival and reformation. And then the governance is removed from the corrupt ANC and put on the body of Christ. So what we've heard today is really a fulfillment starting to happen of a prophetic revelation 10 years ago. So, Father, we just want to thank you for being part of this fulfillment of what you've shown us ahead of time, because you always reveal yourself before you do something. And we just thank you, Lord. We ask that you will just work in the hearts of the body of Christ in South Africa to raise up and be united 
and to move into their positions. We pray for healed sons and daughters of God that will really carry your heart to this nation in Jesus' name. And we thank you for that. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Francois. Yes, powerful. Hilary from Australia. Hello, thank you. Thank you, Christine, for your word, because I had a couple of words going around and it gave me the context. And it's like there's a very specific strategy and to look for the minds. And what happened with the Bathsheba charge, as far as I understand, is the New Zealanders went up on the high ground of the Tel of Bathsheba and they had to deal with that first. Then the Anzacs, the Australians, were down in the land plain level. And as Christine said, they did this sudden charge, which was against all of the expectations. They expected they were going to get down off their horses, but they charged their horses. So this suddenly will be something that was totally unexpected, not normal military assignment. And But the issue that really has always struck me with intercession is if they'd all just patted themselves on the back when they got through, they'd have all died because there were mines down those wells and they had mine detonators or undetonators, whatever has to happen to stop those mines blowing up, sent down those wells before they could be ignited. Otherwise, they'd have all died. And I just sense that for this strategy, and I'm just really seeking the Lord here for Australia as well, that we need to be very careful and heeding the Lord every step of the way and say, Father, what's next? What's hidden? What may be coming from left field? And not to be fearful, but to be shrewd and wise and to not deploy all your troops into one place, but to be aware that there may be need to be a number of fronts and a, a mop-up party and all the things you have to do in a battle so that the whole company can come through in that united force and be victorious. And uh, Father, I just really pray for this for my brother, that you would give him very clear battle strategy. You would give him assignments that he know he's heard from you from heaven and how to deploy the troops, where to position them, your divine timing and your surprise. And uh, Father, so many times you've led me on these assignments. I haven't got a clue till I arrive and it's often totally different to what I expected, but you break through and you don't do something absolutely miraculous that's beyond anything we can think or imagine. And we speak this forth, we call forth your full breakthrough and for your glory and the minimal amount of casualties in these battles. In Jesus Christ's name, people be ready and prepared and focused. And the other element of this is they were in the camp the night before the battle and they were in their Bibles. And many of these men, they had dreams and visions and encounters with Christ. So, Lord, we just say, come into the midst of all of this. Guide and lead by your Holy Spirit. And may there be that wonderful spirit, actually, of mateship of where they really did take care of and look out for one another. And that's all your blessing of your body, one in Christ Jesus. And I'd say both Jew and Gentile, male and female, indigenous, white, all of your people, one in Christ Jesus. The enemy has no answer for that strategy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Hilary. 
Thank you. Lorica, please unmute and go ahead. Hi, thank you. I just got this word ease over South Africa. It sounds counterintuitive or counterproductive, but I just get that there will be an ease over the land and ease over the people. And then I got Proverbs 14 verse 4, which talks about where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the, the mess that I've been in South Africa, it's done with. And God is actually then going to do the ease of the cleansing. So we just say, thank you, Father, that South Africa, this beautiful land, my motherland, Lord, thank you. Mm -hmm. So you are going to do the work with an ease. Thank you, Lord, that the country will be hit with a spirit of repentance, that all the nations that will touch South Africa will be healed, that it will be a place of refuge and it will be a place for your people as a bread basket. So we just say, thank you, Lord, and Maranatha. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lorica. Joe, please Lord, unmute. Yes. Yeah. yes, I have. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are in control of this whole thing. I am so excited to be living in South Africa at this time, and it really gives me so much hope. And as we've been talking about the battle for Beersheba, it was actually also to push through to take Jerusalem away from the Turks. So I really believe, and Lord, I just say thank you, that for wise words as well, because God will not be mocked. And when South Africa government voted to break ties with Israel, I was so disheartened because we'd been praying so much against it. But I think it was in Kim who said to me, no, but God has a plan. And I really believe this is the opening of that door. Because if we don't stand with Israel, Lord, we are nothing. So I just say thank you, Lord, that you are in control of this whole situation. And help Christians to not only stand, but to stand united. Because the Christian body is so broken up when there are minor issues. So I pray that we will focus on the main thing. And let's make the main thing. And I thank you, Jesus, for your presence in our lives. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Margaret. Yes, I'm so excited, actually, with this electrifying message. And I'm really interested to know more about time to rise essay at gmail.com because I really had this picture again once more about this Trojan horse. So I believe at this moment the Trojan horse is being built. I believe God is building the Trojan horse with the right people to be part of it. So I want to pray into that. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for Dr. Arno, Lord God, and all those people that you're bringing along so that this Trojan horse will be under the radar. And it's so important to be under the radar because everybody thinks of South Africa being something of South Africa. But God is building up South Africa and the Trojan horse is going to be the most powerful element in this strategy. So, Father, we thank you, Lord God, for this. And you bring the right people alongside Dr. Arno and whoever will come along, Father, will be as one in the mighty name of Jesus. And then they will be like fire breakers. When the fire is coming along in Africa, this is what you do. You dig a kind of a thing. And then the fire will stop. And I believe there are going to be many firebreakers that will stop things at their track. And it will not happen. So, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen, Margaret. Thank you. Margaret Mubanda. Amen. 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 When doctor was speaking, he talked about God creating the land and then putting the people. And that's the message God has been putting on my heart to pray for the healing of the lands. Because without the land restored, then you have nowhere to put the people. And that's God's order. Also, I want to pray into that, but I also want to speak. A long time ago, we used to have a song for Africa. We used to say, if you believe and I believe, and we together pray, the Holy Spirit will come down and Africa shall be saved. Africa has been at a place of needing salvation in and out. And I believe as we listen today, there's fire coming upon South Africa, all the way from South Africa down to, to Cairo. That's what we believe. The Holy Spirit, Father, I just, if you allow me, I will pray in my language because it sounds, it, I understand it better. Yes, so go ahead, Margaret. So tonight, we agree together with my brothers and sisters across the world that we lift up Africa. She will come to, his dest she will come to her destiny without any obstacle. Every chain, every pain, every apathy, every despair, we declare it defeated, removed from the face of Africa. We thank you for the new Africa rising up, rising up because it's your time. And we thank you because every time, of times, seasons and times, and we hear this saying that Africa is coming out from ashes, is rising up in strength, in power, to demonstrate your glory, to receive you as her savior. Father, forgive, forgive us as Africans on this platform, that we may never be angry, we may never be destroyed by anger, but we may be united by love, that love of Jesus Christ. We pray that black, white, and others, that uh, all the nationalities in Africa, Lord, it will be example, Lord, for the nations of this world, that there will be no more segregation, no more division, no more poverty in Africa. that we shall all be children of the most high God, ready to share everything that you have put in that land, that there will be no poverty, there will be no children who are homeless, there will be no hunger, there will be no sickness that is brought by poverty. We would declare mm -hmm. that God come and have your way in South Africa, in Africa, all the way. Remove every oppression, every stronghold through our political leaders, Lord, we pray that those who don't serve you, Lord, you count their days numbered and remove them and install those who fear you and desire to do your will. I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. We have a lot of passion here praying for South Africa. I just want to check something quickly. Dr. Honor, do you have a few more minutes? Sorry, let me just unmute. Yes, I do. So that's fine. I just wanted to confirm to my sister there, praying that poverty be broken. 
This is a book that I wrote last year in the research that I've done on the inclusive economy criteria, principles, and Ubuntu. It's a kingdom model for the economy. And I believe is an answer to the nations around the world, but it's going to be modeled from South Africa. Just to confirm, the blueprints are ready to be implemented. Yeah, I believe God is going to deal with poverty, hunger, and all forms of economic enslavement. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. All right, we're going to cut it after Berlin. We would love to go on, but we really are not able to do that. So, Hillary, two minutes. <laughs> Please. Good morning. Um, and... Just, sorry, just an additional download about the strategy. The Holy Spirit sent me and a team into Bathsheba on the 11th of the 11th, 11, and we had to be on the tell at 11, 11, and I didn't know who was going to be there. <laughs> it was just like, Lord. And at that moment, they were in the United Nations trying to establish the Palestinian state. And it was so encouraging. These people came up from the desert and all these different places and the Kui had gone out. And this dear brother said, I have the Torah reading portion from this morning. It was the new covenant. This is the issue. And he read it in Hebrew. And I believe the Lord is saying that one of the key strategies for all of us, but particularly with all the diverse people groups, is that there would be the blood covenant communion there would be the entering into the new covenant together. And what then happened was astounding. There was actually prayer for all the Muslims, all the different groups. And the next day we went down into Bathsheba and there was this conference and you could have heard a pin drop on the floor as different ones, Palestinian Christians, Messianic Jews, very Orthodox Jews, they spoke. And there was such a spirit of repentance that fell. And I just really believe that it's Hosea 14. Return to me. Come bring words and say we want our iniquities no more. We're not going to point fingers at each other. We come and humble ourselves before God. And then he says, I will heal you. I will do all these glorious things. I'll revive yes. you, etc. Thank you very much, Shelley. Bless you. Thank you, Hillary. Thank you for sharing that. We appreciate that. Utah. Yes, what I see oh, when I hear everything that Africa has a forerunner, is as a forerunner in the corporate prophetic running together, that Africa is set for that, and that the enemy tried everything to divide and to hold back the different parts of Africa. What I want to declare now, the oneness in Christ Jesus, Yeshua, the prophet, for a healing to be released, for the stepping up, stepping together, holding hands as a nation that was formed and created and with the, this purpose to be released for Israel and for the other nations. And I speak again every time I speak, we need you, Africa, arise. And I speak that from Germany, we stand behind you as a father nation and we lift you up and that your anointing, your breath of life is coming to Africa and its people and to arise as this eagle that arises, Father, right beside you to hear, to see, to speak and to know and to feel by heart what you are speaking and what you are saying and to declare it 
And I say, nobody will close or shut your mouth, Africa. Speak it out in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Yuta. Praise God. Verlene, we're going to finish the prayer with you. And then we're going to ask Pastor Michael, who's one of the Africa Watch lead, Global Watch Africa Watch leaders, to close in prayer for us. Go ahead, Verlene. Thank you. I'm going to start by saying that I could never have been in a better place than where I find myself this morning and absolutely honored to feel God's presence just wash over me by just listening to the different speakers and to Dr. There is so much that I want to say, but I'm going to try and keep it brief. I'm grateful for the fact that Africa is on the map. And I'm grateful for the fact that it's very clear that this awakening has already started. The revival has already started. I do a bit of work with the coin the Sai communities and even amongst them, they speak of this revival. There is so much that they seem to learn. There is so much that at the end of the day, they understand needs to be put in place before anything can happen. They are seeking restitution. They, re they are seeking restoration, reparation, reformation. There's just all the R words. That is what they're seeking. But there's only one way to do this. And this morning, we've already heard that they need to turn from their wicked ways. They need to seek God's face. They need to pray. That, that piece of scripture in Chronicles is so clear. And the promise is there. God will heal our land. And I believe that it is just a matter of time. I think it's very clear this morning as well that we heard about the unity that is needed between God's people. That is the glue that is going to hold us together and ensure that we actually go forward as a powerful army. And it is very interesting because just amongst the, the Koi in the Sun communities, they are fighting each other on different levels. Unity is the word they use but nobody seems to have an understanding of how to achieve that. And I remember there was an event that took place. In fact, it was more than a year ago. And I actually decided to go to this event because I just felt that prayer was needed as much as there were chiefs and people saying that decisions had been made to ensure that something was going to happen in the interest of the coin, the sun. And it was very clear that unity wasn't there. It was clear they needed some kind of guidance. And someone just said this, said it's, it's like a group of lost sheep and they're looking for a shepherd. And for me, it is so clear we've got Bible, we've got direction from above, but it somehow feels that the ears are not being opened. It feels like the scales are not being removed from the eyes. And this morning, I want to pray for these people. I want to pray for Eka because we need it now more than ever before. And God knows the heart of these people. They are broken. They are bitter. They are angry. And it's difficult to sometimes get around us, but I'm asking and I'm praying that God will soften their hearts, that God will lead them back to the foundation that has been laid, that they won't be seeking advice, that they won't be seeking direction from man, and even the identity that they seek in terms of connecting them with their ancestors, Lord, let they accept that the ancestor that they seek the strength that they seek, the guidance that they seek, it's on the cross. And we ask that today, Lord, 
you will go before us and you will ensure that every person who knows you will be reminded of your love and the hope that we have in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen, Berlin. Thank you so much for that heartfelt prayer. I'm going to go to Dr. Arno for last comments, and then Pastor Michael will close in prayer for us. Dr. Arno. Shirley, thank you so much. No, I've got nothing to add. I just want to say thank you, everybody. Let's link in. Let's stand in unity because God is doing something amazing, not just South Africa, but across the world. Let us discern the times and understand the times because then like the sons of Issachar, we will know exactly what to do. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Pastor Michael. Yeah, thank you all. Thank you so much, Dr. Anna, for that very profound time. We want you back. Shelly, make arrangement for him to be back. We want to listen to him again and again. He's a resource. He's a blessing to us. And we treasure resources that God has given us on the continent of Africa. And we want to speak God blessing upon your life, Dr. Anna. We're so grateful for being with us this morning. The Lord bless you. The Lord continue to live to us. And I want to thank every one of you that have been with to. Join us on the Africa Watch this morning. Thank you all for the time. And thank you, Sha, for the amazing job you're doing here on this. We are so grateful. So let us pray. Let's pray. Abba Father, we are grateful. We thank you, Lord, for your redemptive plan for the continent of Africa. And we know, Lord, for you to bring all of these purposes to pass, you have to raise people like Dr. Anna, people that will bring light illumination, revelation, and understanding to the body of Christ. For the body of Christ to know, for the Ecclesia, the body of Christ in Africa, to know the place of their calling, the place of their relevance, and to be rightly positioned, to be able to fulfill the purpose that God is expecting of us. Lord, I lift up your son, Dr. Arnold, before you this morning. I pray, Lord, that you will continue to yourself in him. Because your word said in the book of Jeremiah, you said you are the fountain of living water. I ask you, Lord, that your son will continue to drink from that fountain. Going to drink from the fountain of revelation and insight. Oh, Lord, that through, oh God, the access that he has to you, the fountain of living water, he may be able again, oh God, to be able to release to the world, release to the continent of Africa, and continue to be a blessing to us in his calling. We thank you, Lord, that we know he's still in the marketplace. He's still very much doing the work that you're giving to him to do in the marketplace. But he's your representative over there. So we ask for your shield of protection, the grace of your hand to rest upon him, O Lord, to continue to use him with the glory and the praise of your name. Thank you for each and every one of us that have had your word this morning. We pray for grace that we all be positioned to the place you called us to be places that you want us to occupy in the fulfillment of your purpose and agenda for this continent. Give us the grace of God that we will all, oh God, lock shield together as we position ourselves to be used of you in all of those spaces that you have given us to serve you. Thank you, my sister Charlene. I pray that God's grace will rest upon her. And for all of us that have been on this call this morning, I ask that the hand of the Lord will rest on us, that the blessings of the Lord we continue to abound upon us in Jesus Christ. And I say, may the Lord God bless you all. May the Lord God keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you. And may the Lord grant you his peace, his shalom. In Jesus' name I pray. 
and all God's people say, Amen. 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 Let's unmute and bless each other in the name of the Lord. Shalom to everybody. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Bye.